Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And, and you're, you're about, about to, to get, get jumped. jumped. Welcome to episode 86 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Soul Eater episodes 15 through 17, where the... Fool! Excalibur is here! Okay, but... So in the 15 through 17, the... Uh, so it's no, death fool! Thing. Excalibur is here. Did you not hear me the first time? I, I heard, but I just um... fool. Let's jump in. That worked all right. <laughs> okay. It's so, not hey, just everybody. good. It's good enough. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so we don't have a ton to go over this week before we get started. Um, we we do have a, a couple of shout outs to make really quick, though, to different listeners that have been talking with us online. Um, I wanted to give uh, our, our first shout out, though, before we even start talking about them, uh, to Cloverkin, who is one of the artists that we did um, an interview with at Anime Central this year. Um, she was fantastic. Uh, you should definitely go check out her work i just posted uh about her today on uh the the video today on our twitter and instagram so that's going to be up for the next couple of days but if you're listening to this and you haven't checked it out yet you should totally go to our youtube page and check it out um she does really cool fantasy Mm -hmm. animal you know i didn't think about this at the time but it's kind of very red wall a little bit yeah yeah really cool stuff um, the other shout outs that I wanted to give, uh, for people that have been talking to us on Twitter, um, I, I think that you, you're probably going to want to talk about the person that talked to us on Reddit. Um, but I, I talked to a couple of new people on, uh, Twitter that are just like new podcasters that are just getting started. Um, and then, uh, the other person I wanted to talk about again is Brady Johnson, um, who talked to us on Twitter again and, uh, really co-opted the fact that we really really do want to do Yu Hakusho. Um I I threw it out there that uh that this might be the show that we do after JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Um part three, I, I part wanted two. to Yeah, I wanted to reiterate though that like we do try to do a vote before we decide on our next show. Um so it's it's not like a dung deal that we'll do Yu Hakusho, but I definitely want to include it on our list of things to vote on. And I'm going to basically consider it to have two votes already. <laughs> yeah, it's a great show. Because I really want to cover it. And yeah. I think it's worthwhile. It seems like there's some enthusiasm about, out there among the listenership for that. Uh, and also, it, anybody that wants us to keep covering JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and go into part four and part five, uh, I am of the opinion that we will eventually. But we just can't. <laughs> We just can't keep going. We need a break. <laughs> we can't keep burning the candle on both ends. Yeah. So, uh, anyway. Yeah, I'm glad we got that. And then uh, the Reddit person was a person named I Can't Think of My Password, but there's no A or O in password. Um, and they they responded to our most recent episode, one from Hunter x Hunter of uh, last week, and had some quick things to say about uh 
uh, something that we talked about in the episode and then um, mentioned that they uh, would back a Yu Yu Hakusho watch and also said something really funny about like how their affinity for a particular character should have told them something about themselves way earlier than when they realized it. And I thought that was really funny and I was able to respond to them and I just love that. I'm, I like hearing from you guys and I like being able to like say stuff back to you directly yeah. instead of like yeah, indirectly through the show. So that's cool. We've gotten a lot of really good responses on Reddit from people that are just randomly talking to us about stuff. Um, so I, I always want to keep that up. Uh, so if you ever want to talk to us on Reddit, Twitter, Instagram, Basically, nobody ever talks to me on Instagram. It's always through Twitter or Reddit. So Yeah, Instagram's so talk. weird because it's like it kind of connects you, but it's not a great place to chat. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Anyways, um, with that being said, we need to go ahead and get jumped in because these episodes are uh, full of information. So previously this is so on funny because I feel like the opposite, that these are like really light episodes. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess we'll find out, huh? <laughs> yeah. So Soul Eater in general is a cool, hyper-stylized, semi-fantastic world in which there are some people known as Meisters who train to wield powerful weapons, which are people who can literally turn into weapons. And they use the, the Meisters team up with these weapons in order to fight evil, demonic people um these people are called kishin and they have um devoured human souls which has corrupted their own souls and the weapons can devour the corrupted souls which are now kishin souls or also known as kishin eggs and they can eat 99 of those plus a witch's soul in order to turn into a very powerful weapon called a death scythe um our heroes are in training at what is functionally the Hogwarts of this world. And they are in, there's like multiple groups of main character heroes and each one of them, as we were introduced to them, failed in some way or another to meet this goal. And so they are not like a lot of shonen protagonists starting from the very beginning, but they have experienced a setback so they have some level of skill, which basically translates into them being able to have badass battles out of the gate. And uh, however, they are not, there's a, like an in-universe reason why they don't just like have the superpower that they were trying to achieve. Um, Maka is our main Meister, although she's going to take a pretty significant backseat in these episodes. Her yeah, weapon partner- By significant, is- completely backseated. Yeah, she is there. She's not like Blackstar and Subaki, who are barely there to the point that I didn't put them in the previously on notes. But uh, she's there. It's just not really about her right now. Um, so Maka is the child of the current Death Scythe of the Lord Death, who is the Dumbledore of their Hogwarts, and is also probably a super powerful dude in his own right and yeah. the death site is you're going like full hog into this hogwarts thing <laughs> it's just a good metaphor if like if you know the show it fits and if you don't know the show it's a really quick shorthand for what is going on here so uh, quick quick aside did you realize that there's like a pokemon go for a harry potter that launched yeah it, it's pretty new i think it just came out and it looks perfectly <laughs> fine 
Like, because Pokemon Go did so well. So there's a Jurassic Park Pokemon Go, and there's Harry Potter Pokemon Go. And I'm sure there's other ones, but the other IPs aren't good enough, so... <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Soon we're going to have uh, Poke Dinosaur Magic Wizard School Pokemon Go. I would buy that. So... <laughs> so Maka and Soul are having a problem because they ran into this other character called Krona, who I will go into more detail about later. But Krona has this weird thing going on where she has this like sort of demonic black blood and it can infect someone else and it has infected Soul. And in a recent fight that we covered the last time we talked about Soul Eater, it also infected Maka because of the way that she was using Soul in battle. And so there is something going on here that is super important. It just happens not to be our focus today. Krona Mm -hmm. is kind of this shy kid, but her black blood has a mind of its own. It is its own entity called Ragnarok and is in fact her weapon. And Ragnarok seems to have been put into her. Like it is a weapon that lives inside of her in the form of black blood, but I don't think it's something that she was born with. I believe it was put there by a witch named Medusa. And they, Medusa is trying to basically manipulate Krona into making Ragnarok stronger for some reason. Medusa is a witch, which we mentioned earlier. Witches are a thing in this world, and they tend to be evil. Um, and she is masquerading as the school nurse here. And... Um, that is allowing her to kind of keep tabs on what's going on with the black blood infection here. She has some sort of machinations that we don't really know what's going on yet. Um, and then one of our other groups of main characters is this guy named death, the kid. And it's because he is the child of Lord death. Um, and his weapons are actually two weapons, Liz and Patty. They are sisters who turn into identical guns because death. The kid has this, over over hyper uh, obsession with symmetry. And so if it's not perfectly symmetrical, he can't handle it. And so he has two weapons because that way it can be symmetrical. Mm-hmm. And we're going to open up with a story that has to do with him here at the beginning with episode 15. Yeah. So a quick caveat before we jump into these episodes. Uh, so I've been uh, delving further and further into the like the voice acting realm, uh, learning how to do it, kind of like playing around with doing some voiceover stuff. Um, so I'm trying to get better and better at that. With that being said, I decided that because we have met uh, one of these fantastic voiceover artists uh, that does Soul Eater, I wanted to watch it in English. I did the Um, same thing. Oh my god, that is so hilarious that you did that too. Um, So, I respect not all anime dubs. I I almost exclusively watch subs of anime. Um, I... I just, I, I really think that a lot of them are not done well, um, and this is one that I will say that I was completely wrong about. It is very well dubbed. Um, I liked every single one of the characters, voiceover actors, um, including and 
my I think my favorite voiceover actor in this entire thing was the person that did the voiceover for uh the ship that we're gonna meet in, in oh, today's episode. That's an interesting thought, choice. I thought he was great. <laughs> he was. Now that you say it, I didn't notice it, but it was really well done. I I liked Excalibur because that's a high bar to clear because he's so stylized. Yeah, uh, but so everybody I, was really good. I did notice. So I agree with you. I. I went on the sort of largely normal trajectory of an anime fan where I discovered it because I it was on TV in America. And then I learned that it was this Japanese import and thought that was cool. And so I set up more of it. And then eventually I found, I started watching it in the subs. And I think I initially started watching the subbed episodes because I wanted to watch Naruto Shippuden and it wasn't in the U.S. yet. And they were doing, like, all of the filler for Naruto. And I just was like, okay, but there's, like, real story happening. And so I started watching it in Japanese. And it was like, I never looked back, basically. Like, then, if I could get it in the original, I wanted it. Because that's its, like, purest form or whatever. Mm-hmm. But also, anime is melodrama. Like, pretty much always. I think Cowboy Bebop is an exception that I can come up with off the top of my head. But for the most yeah. part... Samurai Champloo is as well. Like, yeah, really which is the same that. creator. But, mm-hmm. yeah, anime is super melodramatic. It's a lot of vocalizations that you might not get if in naturalistic acting. It's a lot of yelling and loudness. It's a lot of high emotion. And I think partly because of that or maybe largely because of that and then also maybe in a small part it's just a cultural difference in the way that we talk versus the way that japanese people or at least japanese characters talk um when done by like the japanese voice actors there is just this sense and way of speaking and moving that when you translated to English leads to a lot of things. So like one, one thing that one of our interviews from anime central said was like, every time you open your mouth, every time your character moves or does something, there's a vocalization. It's almost the power Rangers effect where they are grunting and stuff just because they're moving and not necessarily because it warranted that noise. And I kind of disagreed with that, but it makes sense because you're matching the source material and the original Japanese is that. And I realized that what I didn't like about American voice acting over Japanese is that when it's in the natural Japanese, I don't come at it with an assumption because I don't watch Japanese television otherwise. And so I did not have this preconceived notion of how these characters should talk and sound. Whereas with American media, I watched a ton of American um, uh, cartoons and animated series growing up. And then, of course, there's also television and movies. I know how words should sound and when things should happen vocally in an English product. But this is an English product that is fitting into a Japanese product pre-existing and trying not to edit what they're doing. And it's trying to match them and also trying to be faithful to what they presented. And so when I watch dubs, I have a hard time because people are always like, ugh, Uh, And they're just like making all of these vocalizations and saying things in weird stylized ways. Like they're putting on a character and you can tell. But then I realized recently, largely because of the interviews we've done with voice actors and how much respect I have for them when we're doing these interviews, that like they don't deserve that criticism because they're doing what they're being told to. And what they're being told to do is, I think, the correct way to go about it. 
Yeah. So I'm That's getting really back into dubs. Yeah. With that being said, we're going to go ahead and go into episode 15 of Soul Eater, the soul-eating black dragon scaredy cat Liz and her merry friends. Okay, so this episode is going to start out with a weird, like, ghost story thing. Um, a guy is standing at the edge of a pier, and all of a sudden he um, he notices something in the distance, and he starts to try to run away from it and wake everybody in his village up to tell them that the black dragon has arrived. Um, uh, has arrived. Um, by the time he gets to his, like, kind of villagers and they start paying attention to him, there is already something giant and massive behind him. It starts to, like, unfurl the what looks like a gigantic, like, sideways mouth. And then he is uh, probably eaten, you don't know yet, um, but the next scene we're going to see is uh, is Death the Kitty, Death the Kid, Pat, Patty, and Liz... Um, and they're going to be like going up to this island and it's just got like a big bite mark taken out of it. Yeah. So they're doing pretty much what the series has done so far is that it does sort of a usually two part monster of the week episode, but it starts to weave in the overarching plot pretty early on. So this is mostly a monster of the week episode that will turn out not to be. So basically they're off on their own thing. They're not with the other protagonists, so the plot that has been happening mostly to Maka and Soul, and to a lesser extent, Blackstar and Tsubaki, Kid, Liz, and Patty have kind of avoided it. And now they're going to do something that at least seems unrelated. So they do a little bit of investigating, and then eventually, fairly quickly in the episode time, they find the ghost ship and board it. And pretty yeah. much immediately upon boarding, they come upon a room that is just human souls, which yeah, in this series are kind of float there until somebody does something with them. Yeah, we're also going to get a little bit of uh, character building moments with especially Liz. Uh, we're going to find out that Liz has a complete aversion and complete and utter fear of uh of ghosts which is weird that she's not afraid of demon monsters that attack her but she's afraid of ghosts i don't i don't really get that but whatever well um, i ain't afraid of no ghosts so well i i guess if you can't shoot it because it's intangible it's scarier um but whatever <laughs> Uh, so, uh, she is going to be very upset by this. Um, the ghost ship has a, uh, a mariner that is going to be on it. Uh, he's this weird bounce around guy. He sort of reminds me, and I wonder if he's the same voice actor, um, as the guy who plays Gluttony in, in, um, in Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah. Because I does. really think that voice sounds the same to me, um, and he's got like same, the same sort of style of character, so I was like, hmm, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. I don't have a solid lock on like what his voice sounds like or what Gluttony America Gluttony's voice sounds like. But I do feel that the, there are some similarities in their energy and a little bit in their shape of their design. Yeah. So I the, see where you're going with that. The creepiest character, by the way, in FMA has always been gluttony to me. Um, there's just something really upsetting about somebody being, like, eaten alive. Yeah. It's just, it's very upsetting it's, to watch It's it why I have such a hard time happen. with the Chimera Ants arc in Hunter, because it's a lot of people being devoured, and it upsets yeah. me. Um, well, um, so Liz that one thing this separated. ghost... <laughs> 
one thing the ghost is going to say too is the ship is my body and my body is the ship. So mm-hmm. he appears as like a humanoid form, but he also has like full control of the ship. Yeah. We are going to see that in uh in very quick fashion when Liz is abs- like dropped down into part of the ship away um just by him like waving his hand um and calling out the ship's name, which I don't know why he would need to do that if he's part of the ship. Um but I feel it, like, like dr- I feel like he's in charge of it but that they're not literally the same cuz that mm. feels like an answer to that. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh Liz is going to fall away from them and be trapped in a different part of the ship. She is going to be um she is going to be confronted by a little girl that's a ghost. And this is one of my favorite comedic moments inside of the show where like she's like oh my god, there's a ghost inside this room, it's talking to me. And so she turns away from it, and then the ghost appears at the other end. And so uh, Liz is like, oh my god, I need to get away from it, I need to not move. And then you have a moment that is paused so long, with <laughs> nothing happening on the screen, that I thought that my like I, my Netflix I was watching it on was like frozen or something. But it was just like a very extended comedic pause. Yeah. And I was just like, uh, I, it was to the point where I was just like, they knew what they were doing. They know this was going to mess with people. And they were going to be like, did something happen? <laughs> yeah. It was really funny. So basically, like, the ghosts, we're going to come to learn that the ghosts on the ship, there's a lot of them. And they are the ghosts of the people whose human souls are floating in that room that we saw earlier. And they are trying to help Liz get back to Kid and Patty uh, because they know that they work well, work better together for whatever reason. They're trying to help her, and she is so scared of them that she just, like, can't do it. And even when they, like, there's, like, one scene where they all line up along a hallway with signs with an arrow pointing in one direction, and she's still like, I can barely do it! It's, like, it's pretty <laughs> good. I really like this bit. I also like the whole thing where she's just like she's like I don't want to die and then the little girl he the little girl is just like how do you think I feel I'm a little girl I never got to grow up so shut up and do what I tell you to do. <laughs> yeah. Um kid meanwhile is being attacked he and Patty are being attacked by the ghost who shares a body with the ship or whatever. And this guy's trying to take him out and kid is failing to defend himself because now, with Liz separated from them, he can only turn Patty into a single gun, and there is no symmetry in this. And so he would rather risk death than be asymmetrical. And yeah. so they are just like fleeing and unable to fight back while Liz is trying to make her way back to them. Mm. So the other thing that we're going to get throughout these episodes, and I'm just going to take a moment to cover this because it it doesn't really it doesn't really affect these episodes any more than finding out some backstory. Um, but we are going to really, really delve into the backstory of Liz and Patty inside of these episodes, um, specifically episode 15 and 16. Um, we're going to find out who they were before they met Death the Kid. Uh, they were these two, uh, these two robber girls that hung out inside of a big city, and they used to mug people and, you know... Um, threatened them with like one or the other of the sister when they turn into a gun. Um, we we see them 
kind of down a wrong path, which is going to, it's going to be more important when we meet Krona uh, again in a minute. Um, but they sort of reminisce on the fact that like they knew that they, what they were doing was not right and that they probably shouldn't have been doing it, but they knew nothing else because they were born as weapons. So they, until they had a master, they just accepted that they must be evil because they were these weapons. And that yeah, they was were, the lot they had in life. They were basically born into poverty and hardship, but because mm-hmm. they were both weapons, they could work together to have some sort of power. And the power that they sought was essentially them thinking small. It was them robbing people on the street because they were working within the framework that they had grown up in. And then when they meet Death the Kid, he essentially shows them that there's a higher calling, which is to be the weapons for a Meister and to fight against like true evil. And it's a really interesting concept. Yeah. The other thing that is is really interesting inside of this episode that you're going to find out during this backstory is that Death the Kid also talked about how he had all of these other weapons that were offered to him by his father and yeah. they, he, he tried to get attached to all of these other weapons, but he could not find a way to love them because there was no symmetry. Just yeah. getting back to the same stupid fucking shtick that he's had the whole time. But <laughs> it's, anyways, it's extra funny too, because you see a flashback of like his, his dad and Maka's dad with like these like flashcards of women and it's like a very much like a we're picking your arranged marriage kind of vibe. And there's like all of these beautiful women in sort of like sensual, alluring like kimonos and dresses, but with like gun parts sticking out of like one of the sleeves or something. And then he just like rejects them and then finds his own. And it's it was just this really fun visual joke that kind of pokes at like this cultural thing as well. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So the next thing that is going to happen is that Liz is finally going to get to the top of the ship. When she gets to the top of the ship, she uh, is going to reiterate that she does not trust. um, She does not trust these ghosts. However, she is reunited with uh, Death the Kid and Patty, who have been running away, and they make their way to the top of the ship Mm -hmm. as well. The other point of fact that is said before this comes up is that the person on the ship that is controlling it says that he is gathering these souls not for himself, but for the Kenshin that's right next to you. He says this to Death the Kid, and Death the Kid, it's really going to stick with him, and he's not going to know what he means for a while. So, he's not going to have time to think about it right now, because he needs to face off against this ghost ship guy, and they prepare to fight each other, except then... From flying from the Stratos is the black sword Ragnarok, which slices right the hell through the ghost's head, uh, separating, basically doing a decapitation through his jawline instead of through the neckline. And Krona appears. And Death the Kid and his guns basically don't know how to react. And uh the sword Ragnarok does his like scream move and it summons all of the human souls sitting there and he devours all of them in one fell swoop 
causing a transformation. So Ragnarok himself, the blade gets larger and the body that uh, sticks out of the back of Krona's body uh, that represents Ragnarok itself grows wings and has gets an elongated neck and looks like a black dragon, which connects to the legend of this ship, which is known as the black dragon. And we see that Ragnarok has become the true black dragon. Yeah, that leads us into episode 16, Fierce Battle Aboard the Ghost Ship, The Hell Inside My Head. Um, so this episode is all going it, to, it's, it's got about 10 minutes of a fight at the very start of it. This is and a fantastic fight. 10 minutes fight, of a different chapter of the manga. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, there is a fantastic fight. Uh, again, we, we always like to pause when we're running into a fight that you should definitely watch. Um, Death of Kid versus Corona. I had completely forgotten about this fight from my last time I watched it. Yeah, um, I didn't it is this fantastic. It is really fast paced. Um, there is a lot of really cool movement sequences inside of it. Um, one of them being Death the Kid going into like this murder stance, um, yeah. and then like going and doing like this, uh, you know, bunch of combo into Corona. Um, and he thinks that he is not Corona out. It turns out he has done nothing to Corona basically at all. Yeah. Um, the, Corona... the back and forth can be boiled down to Death the Kid is dangerous and powerful and skilled and he is increasing his deadliness and going to more and more finishing moves as they they are not working and meanwhile krona is unfocused scattered but because of ragnarok basically invulnerable and extremely powerful if hit by her or him yeah. i don't remember what krona is yeah, and... there is actually a a moment inside of these episodes too, where yeah. where Patty remarks on the fact that he can't, uh, she can't tell if it's a he or a she. Yeah, Krona um, is intentionally androgynous, which is a weirdly prevalent character type in anime, and is very clearly voiced by a female in a fairly feminine way, in both the American and the Japanese version, and. Mm-hmm sort of has traditionally feminine sort of passive qualities that you see a lot in anime and has a a shirt that looks kind of like a dress and is i'm fairly confident a male yeah anyway <laughs> so whatever so, we'll just uh, use whichever one comes in her head at any moment so uh corona is going to cut the ghost ship in half um this is going to basically make it to where it is impossible for Death the Kid, Liz, and Patty to fight correctly on the ship. Um, in and uh, Krona thinks they can just fly away and get away without them having to fight anymore against Death the Kid. Turns out Death the Kid has a flying skateboard that he can just summon at any time, which is named Beelzebub, and I did not realize that it was named Beelzebub, but that's cool. Um, and and he's gonna fly after Krona. Uh, <laughs> the um, Ragnarok is gonna be like, if you don't fly away fast enough, if he catches us, I'm not gonna give you any dinner tonight. And Krona's just like, I'm already skinny enough. Don't do this to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's really it's a good bit of comedy, but it is also a subtler version of a more powerful character, confident in their own power, ignoring a character that is lesser. Which is another super common anime trope. And you usually just see them completely ignoring them in a very sort of stoic, confident way. Or, like, 
giving them enough attention just to let them know that they're beneath you notice. Mm. And this is like, it's almost an inversion of that or, or a subversion or just a different version. But basically like they're ignoring him because they know that he can't hurt him. He, he can't hurt them, but that allows them to have a conversation between themselves safely that can then be a joke about something else. And that if you're not paying attention, you don't realize that you have just been tricked into being shown that they have nothing to fear from this fight. Yeah. The, uh, the next thing that is going to happen is a little bit more of like a comedic timing thing. Um, it actually plays pretty well. I'm not usually into this joke about symmetry. Um, but, uh, but Death Kid is going to look up and see the sun and the clouds parting, and when he sees the clouds parting, it is perfectly symmetrical, and he just loses his fucking mind. Um, and he's like, I have to go to this, and he just, like, completely moths off course, like, directly into the light bulb. Um, yeah. And he it's... is going to be awakened for, like, just a second by Liz and Patty, who are just like, you need to chase after him. And he's like, yeah, I know I need to, but look at it! <laughs> <laughs> It is a little bit of an ass pull to have this fight not have to end in the death of someone, but it is totally on brand and it's a pretty good joke. So it works. Yeah. Um, also, Krona gives us some kind of important information before this fight happens. And it's going to lead into the Liz and Patty backstory that we already went over, which is Krona says that he just wants to understand people. He doesn't understand people and he feels uncomfortable and socially awkward and he really is desperate to figure out how to interact with other people. And therefore, the gaining of power, this quest that he is on to make Ragnarok the dangerous sword more powerful is a means to that end. Basically, his conclusion is that once I am powerful, I will be able to unlock the answer to this question that has been plaguing me. And this is where the title, The Hell Inside My Head, comes from. Because Krona literally points to his own head and is like, this is hell. Mm. And then explains this. And it, it, basically, Krona is just this super sad, lonely character. And has now been cursed with a sword that is somewhat comically abusive to Krona. And Krona just accepts it because he believes fully that this is the means to an end and it's sad and fascinating and it works really well. And then because he reveals this information about himself, Liz is like, that's how I used to be before we met death, the kid. And before we found like the purpose of our life and we were just these like lost people on the streets trying to do our best. And that's when we get the flashback that like really reveals that. But that connection is super interesting, and it's a hugely revealing moment about Krona. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, so after this breaks apart, we get the uh, B-plot of this episode, um, which is we're going to go back to the Academy, um, and we're going to see Medusa talking to Maka. She's going to be giving her uh, 
you know, some tests to check to see if her blood is okay. Because after her fight, she coughed up some black blood. She gives her a basic explanation that is actually pretty smart, which is that you coughed up blood. It looks black, but blood looks black when it's like um, been, you know, out in like oxidized and sat out for a long time. It actually turns like a deep blue or like black color. Um, and so you might have just been coughing up blood from a previous fight or something like that. Maka completely is like, yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, and so Medusa's like, good, take this bag of pills. <laughs> yeah, I like what are you, the American like, medical system? Come on. I know, I, when she handed them just like a plastic bag full of pills, <laughs> I was just like, yeah. well, that's not going to be safe. This Great. is probably yeah. foreboding into something... But in true, um, in true poke a hole into, uh, into anything that you were expecting to be a point later on fashion, um, Stein is going to immediately have taken these away from Maka. <laughs> uh-huh. And what's so interesting is that Medusa is manipulative. She's a double agent and she's playing her own long game here. And what she wants is for the black blood to take hold because that will just, it will, I don't remember exactly. It's either at at worst going to just create more chaos and at best create like, like turn these characters to her side and make them go like into wildly powerful demons. And so this will help her reach her ends. And so the pills that she gives Maka, she tells them they will help her to heal and help to make sure that her blood is healthy and that there's no more black blood. What it actually does is that it is actually kind of truly designed to promote the creation of blood, it just so happens that it's designed in such a way that if black blood is present, the black blood benefits. So if black blood is there, it will just multiply that much quicker and easier if she takes these pills. And then Stein is going to confront her and be like, what are these pills that you gave her? And she's going (laughs) to be like, well, it helps with blood growth. And she's even going to think secretly to herself, like, I'm not lying to him. I'm just not telling him what kind of blood I want to grow. Yeah. And it's kind of clever. So the other thing that is going to happen is that Stein is going to be completely on to her. He even confronts her in person. He also calls her a witch. (laughs) Yeah. He calls, he's like, oh, uh, she, cause she makes up something about how like the medicine that she gave Maka is an herbal remedy. And she's like, I know that herbal remedies aren't, like, as good as, like, you know, the more, I don't know, processed medicine. I don't know what the right word is for it. It's like, you know, aspirin is just ingredients in the same way that an herbal remedy is. But aspirin, we know those ingredients work in a specific way. And so it's like, now it's not really, like, an herbal thing because it's been, like, refined, I guess. So herbal remedies tend to be unrefined and may or may not be as effective as the ones that we know work. And so she kind of leans on that where she's like, I know herbal remedies can be, sometimes they can be snake oil or unreliable or whatever. And, um, but I just, that's my weak spot. Like I have a soft spot for herbal remedies and he's like, Oh, that's interesting. Or maybe it's because you're a witch. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So at the same time that they're having this conversation, they, they, break off from each other by the way they pretend Um, like it was uh, a joke medusa's like you can't say that about me just because i'm getting older and he's like oh don't hold it against me (laughs) 
Okay. So, anyways, um, Medusa's gonna leave. Uh, after she leaves, Sid is going to appear, and he's gonna be like, "Hey, did you get her?" And he was like, "No, I can't prove it yet. You need to get some hard proof. So find out where she's from, so we can we can get some hard proof of this." Meanwhile, Medusa is just like, hey, some people might be coming for my secret lair. Um, I need you, uh, this other witch that she implanted the, like, the, her snake monsters inside of. Um, she's like the, the, the frog witch. Um, she's like, hey, by the way, they're going to be coming for you. There is something that is inside of uh, where I live that you must take with you. Um, don't worry about anything else if somebody comes. And so Sid goes to find out this. He finds, like, her lair, which is just completely out in the open, all of her things that make her look like a witch. And he's just like, this is damning evidence. And uh, right after he says that, he just gets blown up by the frog witch. Yeah. So, whoops. (laughs) And that's a cliffhanger ending to episode 16. And so... Maybe we'll find out what's going to happen next in episode 17. Oh, hell no. It's episode 17, Legend of the Holy Sword 2. Want to go drinking, gambling, and playing? Fool! (laughs) Okay, so this episode is all about how one character that you don't care about is going to team up and uh, learn to hate a character that we also don't care about. But we care about more. So you might remember a couple of, I think it was like two times ago that we covered Soul Eater. There was this basically throwaway episode where they find the legendary sword Excalibur. And here's the deal that we learned last time. Excalibur is indeed the most powerful weapon around. And it can resonate, which is to say connect with any Meister which is rare. Usually a Meister and a weapon have to have a strong connection with each other in order to get what's called soul resonance, which allows them to do their extra super powerful attacks. Excalibur does not have this barrier. He can resonate with anybody. The drawback is that he is so annoying that nobody can bear to be around him long enough to use him as a weapon. So he just sits in this mystical cave. So Blackstar and Death the Kid went to get, or uh, Blackstar and uh, Soul went to get him Last time. This time, it's a classmate that we saw for the first time last time we covered Soul Eater, I think, and I didn't write down his name, and I don't remember them saying it here except at the beginning, and I missed it, and so I didn't write it down because it's not important. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, the he is going to go and find Excalibur. Excalibur, after appearing in front of him, is going to tell him all about his past, which is... Just ridiculous. Okay, so if you ever wanted to watch a ridiculous anime character just insert himself into random movies and random stories from the Boy, past, we this got is an episode the episode for, for you. For you. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be like in a West Side Story flashback in like a Sherlock Holmes flashback. Um, what else? He's in like... I wrote down, more. I think there's five of them and I think I got all of them. So he starts off... With what seems to me like a West Side Story, because there are gang members, but they're snapping and dancing. 
And he has a pompadour on the top, which, like, if you know what Excalibur looks like, he's this super stylized, like, creature-looking character. And so when they do these little, they just add these little things to him where he has, like, this pompadour, and it's so fucking ridiculous, and I love it. So he's (laughs) like that, and then he's like, well, then I became an opera singer, and you see him do a performance... But it's not opera. It's like this weird little dance number that he does. And everybody's just like eating it up and like staring at him through their opera glasses. And then we do a Sherlock Holmes thing. And it is so fucking funny. Yeah. It's it's like they're in a room and there's a dead body. And it's Sherlock Holmes. Oh, sorry. It's Sherlock Holmes and Watson. I I wrote Holmes accidentally. So it's Sherlock Holmes, his partner Watson. Um, I guess the there's two other people: a woman and a butler, and then Excalibur. And the butler is holding the murder weapon <laughs> and like twirling it around. And every time you see him, he has it more to the forefront and is doing more things with it. And it is so obvious. And Excalibur, like, Holmes and Watson are stumped and they don't know who the murderer is. And then Excalibur's like, you fool! Which is his catchphrase, which is why we keep saying it. He cuts people off when they're speaking and he says, fool! And then he has you listen to his fucking bullshit. And he's like, you fool! The, the answer is easy. The murderer is in this very room. And it is, and then you see from his perspective, where he, like, looks down the line of people one at a time. And it kind of looks like he's trying to, like, eeny, meeny, miny, mo whoever the murderer is. And when he looks at the butler, he's just, like, holding the weapon and spinning it in front of him. And then Excalibur picks Watson as the murderer, and you see <laughs> Watson being carted away. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, um, this this episode is full of just ridiculous moments like this. There's going to be a whole thing with like King Arthur and him fighting alongside of him, and he has um, the facial hair. Yeah, the facial and the hair mustache, is ridiculous. But his nose sticks up through the mustache. <laughs> <laughs> but the the this is going to all end up with uh, this character who's come to see him. Turns out he doesn't actually want to fight with Excalibur. All he wanted to do was write a paper on him, but he's just like, after listening to your dumbass stories, I don't want to write anything about you anymore. <laughs> and he turns around to walk away, and he just spits on the ground because he's so upset. <laughs> so by fucking it. great. And then, like, there's a very, very B plot, like almost blink and you'll miss it, where our main cast of characters are hanging out and talking about a paper that they all have to write. And at the end of the episode, you realize that it's this paper and you see them in class on the day that it's due. And Tsubaki, who's the responsible partner to Black Star, who is the totally self-centered, completely irresponsible meister in the group. She's like, did you do that paper? And he's like, yeah, here it is. And he pulls it out and she's like, it's one page. He's like, yeah, I, uh, all you have to do to write a good paper on Excalibur is write a single word. And then it ends with like the, the paper, like shooting to the foreground and it's just fool. And then the episode's over. Yeah, but it wouldn't be complete uh, without there being a little black star at the very bottom of the fool. Like he fucking signed it. Like black star's going to miss an opportunity to sign his name. 
Yeah. Anyways, um, stick with us after these credits, and we will talk about what's going to be on in the next episode. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions. With sound editing done by Rashad English of Plain English Productions. He's our level six sound wizard. Level up. Our podcast is ad-free, and we want to keep it that way. If you want to keep it that way, too, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash Get Jumped. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New episodes come out every Sunday. On iTunes. Google Play. Stitcher. Buzzsprout. Or wherever you get your podcast from. And hey, thanks for listening. Next week on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we're watching Naruto episodes 97 through 108, but not all of them. Yeah, we're going to do some Naruto abridged, you guys. Uh, Blake is not going to watch all the filler episodes, and I'm going to watch all of the filler episodes, so I may or may not have lost my mind by this point. Definitely may.